Good morning. You guys sound great this morning. It's great to be here to worship with you guys, with the church family, and uh, it's just a, a great morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, grab those and open them up to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're going to continue in our series that we kicked off at the beginning of the year. Genesis, we're going to be in the latter part of chapter 11, rolling on into chapter 12 today. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in the row or seat in front of you. You can grab one of those. It should be on page 8, 9. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible home with you. That's our gift to you. But I am going to be reading from chapter 11, starting in verse 27, down through chapter 12, verse 4. The words will be on the screen for you as well, so let's go ahead and read together. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarah, you want to highlight this verse. If you are uh, reading and uh, looking in your phone or in your Bible, you want to highlight this. Uh, this is uh, an important verse. It says, Now, Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make, you, make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for our time together this morning. What an honor and a privilege it is, God, to come into this place uh, as family, as, as a church, as, as your church here in Chester, and to worship you to lift our voices in song as we sing, uh, Father, about surrendering to you and giving our lives to you. And Father, we, you and you alone are worthy. And so we thank you. We thank you that we can come and that we can uh, take communion together and just remember and celebrate your death and your burial and your resurrection. And Father, the hope that we have in that. Father, I thank you for your word, that we can come and we can study together, and I pray that as we continue to worship through your word, God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to move and just overwhelm us, and that as we exalt Jesus in this place, God, we would see just the beauty, the beauty of Jesus and, and, and who he is and what he has done in light of who we are, and that we would see our need for him. Father, we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. You guys got the best seats in the house right here, by the way, front row. Front row. 
prom, prom seats right here, just, just so you guys in the back know you're missing out. Um, so as the, the older I get, the more I begin to appreciate these songs that we grew up with singing in church, those old hymns. Uh, anybody else like that? Like the older you get, like when I was younger, I didn't really care for those songs. I thought they were like, what is this? And uh, I just kind of tuned them out. But the older I get, um, be 42 tomorrow, by the way. You guys are like, 42? You look 32. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but the older I get, the more I appreciate those songs. And one of those songs is Trust and Obey. How many of you guys remember that song, Trust and Obey? Great, great song, great song, okay? And, and here's how it goes. I'm not going to sing it for you, just so you know, all right? Uh, it says, how, so it says um, when, the very first verse says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. And of course, the chorus goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. My kids hear that a lot at our house. I sing that, that chorus all the time. Verse 2 says, not a burden we bear, this is great, not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay, not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. In other words, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of whatever we are going through in life, uh, man, we have nothing to, to fear. We have nothing to, to lose because we just trust and obey, uh, regardless of what's going on. But I love verse 3. Verse 3 says, but we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. Man, what a powerful line that is, right? The, the, the fact that, man, when I, when I begin to realize what God has done for me through Jesus Christ, it's like I, I give my life to you. My, I lay my life down as, as an offering to you. I surrender to you. That's what we just sang about. I mean, those are the very words that we, we sang for the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. The song was actually written by a guy named John Samus in 1887. And it was inspired by a man who was, uh, who was given a testimony about following Jesus. And he simply said these words. He got up at this, this, this revival meeting and he says, I am not quite sure. He says, I'm not quite sure what lies ahead. It could be good, it could be bad, it could be ugly. I'm not sure what lies ahead, but I am going to trust and I am going to obey. I love that. I don't know if there is a better song or testimony that really encapsulates what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Right? Come what may. Regardless of my situations, regardless of my, my circumstances, I am going to trust you with my life. I am laying it all down. I am giving up my rights. I am giving up control. Where you lead, I will follow. I will trust and obey. And I think there is this disconnect in today's modern Christianity between faith and obedience. Uh, in other words, there are a lot of Christians who think that faith is this uh, kind of one-time, uh, only single act 
that we, we do when we ask Jesus into our heart or whenever we make that great confession. Uh, we kind of have this idea that, okay, I'm good now. Right? I, I've, I've given Jesus my life, and now I can just kind of go and come and, 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 as I please. I can kind of do what I want to. There's no real need or urgency for repentance anymore. There's no need for change or transformation. It's like, okay, I, I, I asked Jesus in my heart, and, and I'm good. And that's kind of uh, modern Christianity today. But let me ask you a question. How, how would that go over if, if you applied that to your marriage? Right? If, you, if you were to woo your wife, right? if I was to work and I was to woo my wife, uh, and she, she agreed to marry me, and then once she married me, I say, yep, I'm good. I'm good. No more work. I don't have to do anything. I just, you know, come and go as I please. I don't have to, uh, to serve or do anything like that. Would that go well for me in my marriage? No, no. But do you see, like, this is kind of how, how we, we do with Jesus. Listen, faith is more than just this mental ascent to Jesus. It's more than just knowing facts about Jesus, right? We can know all the facts about Jesus we want. I mean, the religious leaders in Jesus' day knew everything about Jesus, and they didn't follow Jesus, right? Faith is, faith is about growing in our love and affection for Jesus. I, I, I shared this quote with you guys several weeks ago from John Piper, and I want to share it again just because I think it's fitting. And this is what John Piper says. He says, if your faith in Christ leaves you unchanged, you don't have saving faith. Obedience, not perfection, but new direction of thoughts and affections and behavior is the fruit that shows that faith is alive. Now, I want to be very clear with you, and you guys who come here regularly know where I am at, but I just want you to know up front that, that we are saved by grace through faith. The, the good news of the gospel is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, we are, in that moment, declared right with God. God, God takes Jesus' righteousness, his perfect life, and he imputes that to you. He gives that to you. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see Aaron and his dirty heart, but he sees Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. That is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. But what the Bible is going to say, I mean, I could point you to a bazillion verses and what John Piper is pointing out is that once you've experienced that grace, once you have experienced that grace, once you have grown in this awareness of your sin and, and, and who you are, and once you begin to peel back those layers of your heart and you see how wicked and how dirty your heart is, once you begin to see that in light of God's grace and mercy and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ and you see the beauty of that, 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 that you see God's holiness and his, his righteousness and his justice. You see that, that begins to change you. That begins to transform you. Right? And this is the point of that, is that, that our response to God's grace, when we see ourselves for who we are in light of who Jesus is, our response to God's grace then is love and obedience. It's not like, I mean, it's like you want to love God. You want to be obedient to him. Because of what he has done for us. So, so our obedience then flows from our faith. You can't separate the two. You just can't do it. Saving faith is a life of faith. To say it another way, we put our faith into action. 
That's the title of the sermon, so I had to fit it in there somewhere. So right there seemed like a good spot, right? We had to put our faith into action. And this is, this is one of the things that we learned from this passage that we just read. I'm going to take you to Hebrews. Don't, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen unless you just want to. But Hebrews, New Testament, chapter 11. It is the, the Hall of Faith chapter. And chapter 11, verse 8, it says this. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, a promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And what I want you to see is that Abraham isn't recognized just for one act of faith. It doesn't say that Abraham put his faith and trust in in God and then everything else was good. He just kind of lived however, right? This is an attitude and a life of faith, right? This is this this constant moving forward. I I like to use the the phrase imperfect progress, right? Abraham wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes, as you're going to see as we walk through Genesis here. But, but, but he was moving forward. Abraham put his faith into action. Abraham's faith rested on the faithfulness of God and his promises. That's what faith does. It doesn't, it doesn't just look back to what God did in the past to his faithfulness, but it looks forward to what God promises to do in the future. And I think the reason we struggle with this is because oftentimes our faith is rooted in the present. It's rooted in what we see. It's rooted in circumstances. And so oftentimes our faith is, is swayed. And that's why we struggle with this. Now, notice in our text that we read that in the first three verses of chapter 12, I want you to see this. It says, God, God says, I will, five times, in three verses. He says, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God does not ask Abraham to trust in his circumstances or in himself. He does not, he does not ask Abraham to trust in his ability to make these promises happen, right? God, do you notice that God is the one who is doing it all. God is the one. It is all, all of God. Why? Because he's God. Because he is powerful and he is faithful and he is big. And and so come what may, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what's going on around me, I am going to trust and obey. I am going to put my faith into action because of what God has done. Right? We, don't, we don't serve a small God. We serve a big God. And I would propose to you this morning to, to really think about this. As, as you leave here today, think, think about the times where, and again, listen, I, I'm, I understand, man. We, we live in a, a difficult world, a broken world. And I get, man, we get beat down. We get, I, I understand that, man. I, there's times I get discouraged. I get beat down just like you do. But I, I would propose to you this morning, man, that, that those moments where our faith is swayed, when we feel like we're in sinking sand, we feel like we're Peter and we're sinking, 
I would propose to you that it's in those moments that it's, it's because our view of God is too small. Just think about that today. Is your view of God too small? Because we serve a big God. We serve a big God. And so I want to simply point out just a few things here in this passage that hopefully will encourage us to grow in our faith, will encourage us to grow in our love and affection for Jesus, that will encourage us to put our faith into action. Right? So the very first thing we see is, is that, that God's call to Abraham created faith in Abraham. Right? God's call birthed Abraham's faith. Okay? So, so this is absolutely staggering. When you, when you look at this, and we really shouldn't be surprised because this is all throughout Scripture. We see these types of things. But, but, but we know from the text that Abraham and his family are from the Ur of Chaldeans, or Chaldeans, however you say that, which was actually a place uh, near Babylonian, and they were steeped in pagan worship. So Abraham's family were a bunch of pagan idol worshipers. Uh, Joshua, if you go a little further along in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, he gets up and he makes this speech, chapter 24, verse 2, and he says this, he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, lived beyond the river in ancient times and they served other gods. Like this is who Abraham was. He was a pagan worshiper and yet God in his grace and mercy, initiates. He moves towards Abraham. Like this, is, this is the good news right here. Like Yesterday was March 16th, and so the verse of the day on you version was John 3.16. And like that, that's what this is. For God so loved the world that he gave. He sent Jesus into this world. He initiates. He makes the first move. Listen, there is absolutely nothing special about Abraham. It's not like God was looking down for somebody to, to, who was worshiping him. right? God, God didn't call Abraham because of any merit on his part. This is, this is totally all of, of God's grace and mercy. This is the initiating love of God. And why this, is, is, this should be encouraging to us is because we are all in the same boat as Abraham. Right? We have done absolutely nothing to warrant God's pursuit of us. It's not like God looks down and says, man, Aaron, you are knocking it out of the park. I can really use you on my team. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not how, how it works. We did not do anything to warrant God's pursuit of us. And yet God's word tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were still rebelling against God while we were still robbing God of his glory that that Christ died for us that's the good news of the gospel I mean how amazing is this and yet this is God's MO throughout all of scripture he pursues us in our sinfulness he is consistently does remarkable things to ordinary sinners like us why because we serve a big God Right? He doesn't come to Abraham and he doesn't say, okay, Abraham, here's the deal. I want you to take the next few months and try to clean yourself up. 
I noticed that you got a bunch of these household idols over here. Uh, I want you to try to get rid of those. I'm going to come back in three months. Here's a little uh, chart for you, some stickers. You can kind of chart your progress and see how well you're doing. For every idol you put away, you get a sticker. Come back, I got ten stickers. You're in. God doesn't say that, does he? God doesn't say, hey, I want you to clean yourself up. But how many of us, how many people feel that they have to get their life straight before they come to God? I, mean, I just got to clean myself up. I got to get rid of this habit. I've got to do that. You know, I, if I walked into church, man, the roof would collapse. I'd be like, come on, man. We want our, we want our building to collapse. But let's make sure everybody's out of it first, right? But I mean, listen, there's people, I'm, seriously, man, there are people out there who just feel like, man, there's just no way, like, God could ever forgive me. You just don't know my past. There is, there is nothing that warrants God's pursuit of us. That's the whole point. That's why it's the gospel good news. You see, when we realize that God loves us at our worst, that, that God loved me when I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. That changes you. That changes you. Our God is a God who brings the dead to life. Amen? Our God removes scales from blind eyes. This is what he does. This is what he did to Abraham. He calls him out. He says, I am initiating. I am choosing you. You were blind, but now you see, right? God reaches in and rifts out our hearts of stone and puts in hearts of flesh. Man, we serve a big God. So God's call created faith in Abraham. Secondly, faith embraces promises from afar. We see this from Abraham. This is, this is, this is huge. God comes to Abraham and says, go. Like, we, don't, we don't know. Like, is, this, is this what, I mean, God just says, go. There's no, there's no small talk. There's no chit-chat. It just says, go. He doesn't come to Abraham and say, hey, Abraham, listen, I know that you like to be in control. I know you're a control freak, Abraham. But I know you're a planner. And so here, here you go, Abraham. I did this just for you. Here is a detailed itinerary of every stop that we're going to make along the way. God doesn't do that, does he? He says, go. Go. And this is something that, that, that we teach our children at home. Uh, the phrase that's, that's very popular in our house is, is just very simple. It's listen and obey. Right? Trust and obey. Well, there's no other way. Uh, so now you know why I sing that song all the time, right? Like, literally every day I'm singing that song. Listen and obey. But we tell our kids this. We say, hey, listen, you listen and obey the first time. And while you are listening and obeying, you may ask us questions, right? So it's not this, hey, do this, and then we get a bazillion questions. No, it's do this, okay, and while you're doing it, then you can ask a bazillion questions. Maybe that's what happened with Abraham. I don't know. Maybe as he is going, he's asking questions, but the point is that he listened and obeyed, right? He, he went, okay? That's what faith does. Faith is trusting and obeying God even when we cannot see the whole picture. And before we pass over this passage of Scripture, man, I, I want us to just really get the magnitude, feel the weight of what is going on here and I think it's difficult for us because we live in such a mobile world. Like, it's nothing for us to hop on a plane and go across the world, you know. And it's just, but but this, is, this is huge what God is telling Abraham to do here. He says, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Leave your country. Leave your economic material 
security. Leave your family. Leave your, your, your physical and your social comforts. Leave your cultural security. He left the familiar for the unfamiliar. He's going to a place where he would always be an outsider, never an insider. In essence, what God is telling Abraham to do is to leave everything. Leave your comfort. Leave your security. Because what God is telling Abraham is, I, I will be your comfort. I will be your security. I will be your God. That's what he's telling him. I love um, John Calvin in his commentary says this about Abraham in this passage. He says, God speaking to Abraham, he says, I command you to go forth with eyes closed until having renounced your country, you shall give yourself completely to me. Let everything that you know, love and hold dear, slip from your hands and follow me. I don't know about you, that sounds a lot like Jesus, right? Jesus says, follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross. I mean, we sang about it. We sang about it this morning. This is, this is it. So, so I think it would do us good if we were to just simply ask ourselves the question, what is our comfort? What, where are we finding our security in where are we looking for peace in our life? What, what is it that is in your life? And you've got to think about this. What is it that is in your life that if it was taken away from you today, that would absolutely devastate you? It would crush you. Think about that. Is it finances? Is it retirement? Right? Is it, is it a job? Come what may regardless of circumstances, regardless of, of what's going on, I am going to follow you. You see, I think it's about having this eternal perspective, right? It's, it's, it, let, me, let me just encourage you, man. If you, if, you, if you are in Christ Jesus today, if you've put your faith and trust in him, you already, you, you, may, not under, you may not feel this, you may not realize this, but you already have everything. You already have everything. If you're in Christ, man, you have, you have gained righteousness of Christ. We talked about this. Right? You've been accepted by God. You're one of his children. There is, there is nothing of more value or more attainable in this life. Like, there is absolutely nothing that you could achieve more valuable than that. And so it's like if I lose worldly security, if I lose worldly comfort in this life, then, then what have I lost? I've lost nothing. I've lost nothing. Uh, uh, Jim Elliott, um, I, some of you may be familiar with Jim Elliott, he's a missionary, was a missionary, and he felt this strong call in his life that, that God was sending him to an unreached people group. And so he went to this unreached people group, and this was a people group that was known for very dangerous, they, 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 every, anybody who had ever gone there, they killed them. And yet Jim Elliott felt called by God to go, to go, to leave his home, his all these things behind him to go. And so he does. And if you know the story, if you've ever seen the movie, I think, is it called Tip of the Spear or something like that? Or Spear? End of the Spear. Um, then you know that Jim Elliott ends up being killed for his faith. We just prayed for persecuted Christians. But, but here's what's fascinating. If, if you've ever seen the movie, you know how it ends. You, you know that eventually um, 
that unreached people group actually becomes, they, they come to Christ. They come to know Jesus. But what's even, well, there's nothing, there's nothing more cooler than that. I shouldn't say even what's more. But, 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 but maybe what you don't know then is that, and I read this just yesterday, that through Jim Elliott's sacrifice and what he did, he inspired more missionaries to go out into unreached people groups than he could have ever done if he was still alive. So in his death, in his death, in his sacrifice, by being obedient, by trusting and obeying, in his death, he lost everything that we would think, oh my gosh, he lost, he, you know, he's separated from his family, he lost everything, he lost everything. We would think, man, but see, that's it, that, that, that eternal perspective. Jim Elliot had an eternal perspective. And so we, we look at that and say he, he lost everything. And yet in that, man, he, you see an unreached people group come to know Jesus and more missionaries go out to share the gospel. How amazing is that? But, but then Paul would take it, the apostle Paul would take it a step, step further and, and not only say that, that what have I lost, I haven't lost anything. Paul would say I've actually gained Paul would say, I've actually gained. To be, to be with Christ is, is way better. I would rather be with Jesus right now than to be down here. That's what Paul says. I mean, how, how amazing is that? Right? I've lost nothing. And that's just that eternal, eternal perspective. Faith embraces promises from afar. It's living in light of eternity. It's understanding that, that this is not our home. Right? And then God says, I, I will make you into a great nation. Uh, that's why I had you highlight that verse before, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but, but it, the problem is, I mean, Abraham knows immediately, wait a minute, I've got to have children for this, and my wife is barren, and I love how the text emphasizes, it's like she's barren, she has no child. It's like, just for emphasis here, we're going to let you know, not only she, but she has no child. And so it's just, it's just kind of this, this tension in the text. And it's like, God, if you're, if you're going to make all this happen, then it's got to be from you because this is humanly impossible, which is what God is in the business of doing. What looks impossible to us, God can do because we serve a big God. And then he says, I will bless you and make you a great name. And what's interesting about that is, is if you were here last week, we talked about the Tower of Babel and how those jokers... Uh, wanted to just be about them and make a name for themselves, right? And God judged him for it. But here's God saying, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. What's the difference? There's a huge difference. And you or I wanting to make a name for ourselves for our own glory because we're wanting to rob God of his glory as opposed to God saying, hey, I'm going to make your name great so that you can be a blessing to others and point people to me and, and for my glory. See the difference? Huge difference there. And that's exactly what Abraham is going to, to do. But then next we get to the, the gospel promise. It's right here. The gospel is right here. He says, In you all the families of the earth, every language, tribe, and nation shall be blessed. What a, a beautiful picture here, man. With, with these words, with these blessings over Abraham, God set into motion a plan that would eventually reaches climax in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah that would come through the offspring of Abraham. He is the seed. He is the offspring of the woman back in Genesis 3 that comes through Abraham that eventually follows all the way to Jesus. That would be a blessing to the whole world. 
That's huge. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, 8, and 9. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. That's a key phrase right there. Highlight that. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is how awesome God is. Do you know that Abraham isn't even a Jew? He wasn't an Israelite. He's called the father of God's people, and yet he's not even a Jew. It says he's from the Ur of Chaldeans. He's Babylonian. He is a pagan idol worshiper, not even Jewish descent. And yet he's called the father of God's people because he has a family of spiritual children who follow in his footsteps who, uh, b- b- by believing in Jesus, who have faith. That's, that's what Paul is getting at here. He says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had. How can we sing that song, right? Because of this right here, because we have faith in Jesus. We are sons of does that make sense? You get that? And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's just about everybody in this room, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of the faith, those who are of faith, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Wow. Wow. The good news of the gospel, man, is that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a life that you and I could not live. He died the death that we should have died. He died in our place. Jesus frees us from the curse in Genesis 3. He frees us from the, the curse of sin and, and death. And in Jesus, we find life. That is good news. And, and, and man, we, we pray every week that if there are people here that do not know that, if they don't have, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus, man, we, we encourage you to do that today. Don't put that off. I'm up here at the end of the service. I would love to chat with you about that. And we would love to to walk you through that process and what that looks like. So don't leave here if you've never done that. See, in Christ we have everything we're looking for. In Christ we have comfort. We have security. We have identity. Everything that you're looking for you have in Christ. And then finally, and this is a short one, faith obeys. Faith obeys. Abraham puts his faith into action. You see it there in verse 4. So Abraham went. Right? And this is what's interesting is that Abraham lived between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. And that's what faith does. That's what, that's what faith does. Right? It's moving forward with the things that, that, that have been revealed to us, but trusting God with the things that, that have not been. It's trusting and obeying. It's moving forward forward is putting our faith into action and so what does that look like what does it look like to put our faith into action I'm glad you asked so practically I think it starts and you guys are going to think this is you know this is not like earth shattering here okay it, it starts with simply loving God and loving others Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others. Listen, when you begin to see God as he really is, right, it's, it's not just a belief in general. It's not just a kind of a casual, you know, yeah, I believe in God. and Yeah, you know. Uh, but but when, your heart, when your heart has been captured by his love for you, 
And then that's our prayer every week for you, man. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for my kids every night, man. God, would you just capture their hearts? Would you open their eyes to see their need for you? See, when, when that happens to you, that begins to change and transform you so that your love for God translates into love for other people. You see, what happens is it's like an in-out type thing, right? You, you experience God's love, and, and, and um, well, it's, it's like the song, right? I grew up in church camp. Uh, anybody else go to church camp growing up? Loved church camp, loved it. And one of the songs that we used to sing at Campfire, tell me if you, if you remember it, right? It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around. Come on. Keep going, keep going, right? Once you've experienced it, once, once you've experienced it, right, once, you've, once God has captured your heart here and you've experienced this love, you spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. You guys are going to go home and sing that song now, right? Look it up. It's a great song. But that, that's the point, right? And this isn't, listen to me, this isn't just love for people who are lovable. Right? This, isn't, this isn't, hey, yeah, I'm going to just learn to love my you know, people who I get along with, right? We pray, Charlie mentioned it, right? We pray for the, our enemies. We pray for the people who are difficult in our life. We, we love, not just pray for them, we love them. We love them. I mean, is this not what God has done for us, that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us? Right, so, so this, is, this is what we, we do. And listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. You cannot do that. You cannot muster up enough strength in yourself to do this by yourself. You cannot leave here and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to love my enemies. There's, you can't do it by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You need God to intervene. You need him to do this. Just as Abraham could not have, there's no way God, Abraham could have done all those things. He needed God. He needed power. And I would just remind you, man, that as we do that, it's, it's, it's always in perfect progress. We're never going to be perfect, right? But, but we, we, we continue to push forward, and, and it's in perfect progress. And so as you're growing in your faith, what happens then is the gospel then begins to destroy this consumer mentality, right? It's all about me mentality. The gospel destroys that. It destroys your what's in it for me mentality, right? Abraham could have said, you know what? This doesn't fit into my plans, God. I think I want to stay here because I'm already kind of rich and wealthy. I've got everything I need here. See, when, when, when God comes into your life, the gospel destroys all those things. The gospel humbles you, but it also gives you confidence at the same time. And so what it, that does then is the gospel sends you out. It sends you out on mission, Right? We begin to see people, all people, the way that God sees them with compassion and love. This, this paradigm shift begins to take place that we talked about. You start living in light of eternity rather than the present. You begin to see people differently because you know that they're going to spend eternity somewhere and you want them to be in heaven with you. And so now that's, that's kind of where you, you, your focus is at. But, but it also means, man, that we've been blessed to be a blessing to others. You, you see this right here. We've... We have, we have been blessed. We have, been ex, we have experienced God's grace and mercy, not to just hoard it all in and keep it to ourselves, but to extend that grace and mercy to others. That, that's what that means. God has not given all that we have 
I mean, listen, God has blessed us. God has given us so much. And yet he has not given us those things so that they will terminate on us. Right? You know that. Right? We, 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 uh, I love what R.C. Sproul says. R.C. Sproul says, one of the, the worst things we can ever do is to waste the gifts that God has given us. And those gifts are our time, our, our resources, right? Our, our, our heart shouldn't, shouldn't be focused primarily on seeking our own pleasures and comforts, but rather making much of Jesus. And what this means is we, just, we live with open hands. We live generously. And this is, again, this is the gospel. This is what Christ did for us. He who was rich became poor for your sake so that through him we who are poor might become rich. Yeah, this is the gospel. This, this, is, this, is what, this is what faith in action means as we grow in our love and affection. We live with open hands. We clothe the naked. We feed the hungry. Right? We, we want people to see Christ in our words and actions. We, 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 we live differently in our neighborhoods, right? We, we want to, people to see Christ. We, we live differently at work. We put our faith into action. We serve. We do those things. Uh, just this last quote will be done. Adrian Rogers, he's a um, late Adrian Rogers, said, and I love this. He says, you cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. Like, I, I might just print this out and hang it on my wall. Like, that, that's, that's powerful. Right? Like, you cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. Listen, my prayer, and I want you to join me in this prayer. Please, please, Chester Christian Church, let's pray this together. Let's pray, man, that we will put our faith into action. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray that we've been challenged. I pray, God, we've been encouraged. I pray that as we leave here today, God, we will take a hard look, Father, at just even our view of, of you. God, are, 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 we, are, are we serving a small God or, or do we know, God, that you're a big God? God, reveal those things to us. God, where, where are we putting our comfort and our security and our peace? And God, wherever that may be, God, help us to, to give that over and to put our trust in you. God, help us to listen to your voice as we're in your God, help us to hear your voice so that we may be obedient and we may follow you and trust you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, that you would just help us to see people the way you see them. God, that we would put our faith into action and that we would make much of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our prayer team is, is going to be here.